and welcome to the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts, Paul Samuda and Amanda Woodward. With 45 years of combined experience in the world of property buying, selling, investing and developing, they are here to share with you their knowledge in the Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle-under-Lyme and Crew property market. Let's get started. Welcome to a new episode of the Essential Property Podcast. Our aim is to discuss all property-related matters within Stoke and Trent, Newcastle under Lyme, and crew areas of the country. The podcast is directed at investors, landlords, agents, or anyone thinking of investing in residential or commercial real estate within any of those areas. My name is Paul Smuda. I am pleased to have with me today Mr. Avi Singh of the Stoke Property Shop. Avi, welcome. Thank you, Paul. Glad to be here. <laughs> Good. Now, I've known you for about seven or eight years, and the Stoke Property Shop managed my first ever buy-to-let investment in Stoke-on-Trent, a little two-up, two-down in Beresford Street in, in Shelton. You managed that very, very well for that period of time, and then, in actual fact, went on to sell it for me a, a number of years later at a very attractive price, I have to say. So, you know, thank, thank you. you very much again uh, for that great service. You're welcome. So, Abby, tell us a little bit about you and how you got into the lettings business or the property business and and, and why sell contract sure paul no problem at all so currently stoke property shop in itself has been in existence for approximately 15 years now prior to that since leaving education i went to work for barclays in the field of pc banking and that was based in coventry and i worked there for four years and i got a good background of finances and uh, loans and borrowing and it literacy that went really well for me from there, I moved on to Vodafone, well-known company, and that was based in Birmingham on Broad Street. So I was stationed there for about uh, six years in their offices on Broad Street, uh, where they made the decision, a cost-effective decision to move the offices, which consists of somewhat a couple of hundred employees, to Stoke-on-Trent. That's where Stoke-on-Trent sort of came on the map for myself. And they asked me if I wanted to go on that journey with them, and I, and I said yes. So they set up the new offices in Stoke-on-Trent, and that's how I, I saw like started getting involved in the property market, realizing the prices were attractive. And I attended uh, the auctions, which I, I'm sure you, you, you're familiar with as well. Yeah. And that's where our Stoke-on-Trent journey started. I took the decision with the Vodafone to take voluntary redundancy, which was still an option for me because they realized coming from Birmingham, et cetera, wasn't for everyone. It was a bit of a commute. I, I made the decision to take the voluntary redundancy and spend that money on investing in a, in a property portfolio. That portfolio in itself became of size and scale and a full-time job for me. From there, we, we, we sort of uh, started networking with other investors and other landlords. And it sort of like, sort of like spiraled from there where there was a need in that area for an agent to specialize in the student market to start with. Uh, and that's exactly what we did. And, and that sort of like led to sort of like what is now classed as our one-stop shop for refurbishments, lettings, and sales. In a nutshell, in brief, that's the journey. Brilliant. I mean, so many people from out of town moved to Stoke and are attracted by its, its initial property prices and the business just mushrooms. I mean, just on that point, obviously we've gone through a year of turmoil. I think yeah. property has been probably slightly less affected than other sectors like retail, but 
How, how has business been over the last year? Challenging. Challenging okay. is probably the word. With, with the, we'll touch on them in, in sort of segments, if you like. Sales is doing well. The applicable incentives that the government has applied at the moment in that regard it, it is assisting uh, with matters. So sales, to be fair, has not really changed much. That's still strong and going well. The lettings market, however, with regards to where, if we segment that as well to professional, non-professional lets, and then we'll leave the student lets on the side for a moment, Professionals and non-professional lets, again, it's doing well. Once individuals realise that the property market was still open and those that needed to move can still move and can still view properties, that in itself also was still very promising and, and still remains strong. Unfortunately, the student market hasn't fared as well, which was expected to a degree because, as we all know, student courses now, especially for Staffordshire University, all went online. While the vast majority went online, there was only limited face-to-face interaction on a certain percentage of courses. Let's say those, those bums that we already had on seats, those students that were already in bedrooms and in houses with us, the majority of them decided to stay on in their paid accommodation and study from those properties and do remote learning. There was obviously a percentage of them that that couldn't really do that and needed to return back home to the family home, uh, so to speak. And that was slightly challenging where there's two sides to those scenarios. There's, There's the student side where they're clearly not able to go into the university, which is their whole purpose of actually being there in the first place in in areas, particularly like Shelton, Stoke-on-Trent. And then you have the landlords who have contracts in place via Stoke Property Shop for tenants to be in situ. So, you know, it's a difficult situation. But that small percentage of tenants and those landlords affected by those decisions, staff had to negotiate where possible to to reach an amicable solution, whereas that was like a a rent holiday or or some sort of, um, you know, void period there. And, And that was challenging. And I think it's been in the press, promoting the press in terms of some of the challenges that students have been through. And, you know, they're young. This is, you know, the most important part of their life. And they've been asked to be stuck indoors. Okay. So, but you said the other side, the professional side has performed fairly well. So would you say, or let me ask you a question. What's your takeaway from this? Obviously, we're not totally out of lockdown just yet. But given the year that we've been through as a property agent, a letting agent, very experienced, what's your takeaway from all this? What can you learn from this? We've got to adapt. Can't take nothing for granted. No one saw this coming. We've had to change some of our policies and and our guidelines. We've had to take on the guidelines with regards to viewings, make sure everyone's protected, make sure staff are protected, make sure clients are protected as well. I think that's it, really. We can't take anything for granted. Um, Flexibility is also another key word. You know, in normal times, when a tenant makes certain decisions based around a shorthold tenancy agreement, yeah. you know, they, they might have otherwise, outside of a pandemic, be handled slightly differently. Yeah. But in this scenario, uh, compassion, flexibility and understanding is required. And this is where we've grown as an agency, where we've learned. Obviously, no one's been through this before. No other agent has experienced anything like this before. So, so this is a learning curve for us, certainly. And we take away from that, you know, those, those key elements that we've just described. And I think... Some of our listeners are stationed overseas, Hong Kong, Singapore, European continent, a lot of local landlords that we work with or investors that we learn with. And they've been anxious, if, especially if they've been overseas in terms of what's been happening. But going forward, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot just a little here. An investor comes into the area. They've got a bit of money to invest, 100, 150,000 pounds. Would you say student or professional HMO properties as an investment? Or do you just see this COVID as a bit of a blip? Because I know you started more on the student side and then transferred to the professional side. What would you advise? 
Yeah, well, we, we cater for both, Paul. We, we cater okay. for the professional side, the non-professional side. Of, we, 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 when we say non-professional side, we refer to local housing allowance, tenants and families, etc. Okay. Uh, and like, like you picked up on the students as well. The answer to that is, I would say both the professional market and the student market are still very strong and very promising. We're going through choppy waters at the moment and the roadmap announced as of the last week is promising. The indications are things will return to a more normal times yep. very soon. You know, we have the vaccine in place. To those clients and those investors overseas, my advice would be, we're going to see the other side of this. Things won't be as they were, I don't think. I think there will still be some uh, caution, uh, rightfully so. But I think if you were talking those sort of monies, I still think more so the student side is promising, yep. especially where we're based. You know, I'm going to be slightly biased in that regard, of course. But Staffordshire University is clearly investing. You know, they're clearly yeah. investing. We have the latest addition to their portfolio of buildings, the Catalyst Building. That's 40 million being spent there right now. That's under construction as we speak. Work has not stopped there. Right. Uh, that's directly opposite our offices, and they need to get students in place for that. I believe student numbers are going to grow. I think students are going to want to come out of this and be back at university, back with their friends, yeah. back to face-to-face learning. That's looking promising. Again, the professional side, that's faring well as well. But I, I, the answer to your question would be, I would still steer towards the student market in that regard, okay. especially okay. with you know, anything up to about 100,000. I would say, yeah, that can be spent on a property within Shelton and, and a landlord could get great yields from that. And just with regard to, you mentioned that the university is expanding their foot print in terms of facilities and accommodation, presumably. There's always been this tussle between the sort of smaller private landlord providing houses to students versus, if I call them the institutional landlord, whether that's the actual university or whether it's a pension fund of the building. Have you seen any evolution of that over the last few years where maybe the smaller private investors being crowded out by some of these larger developments done by the university or from third-party institutions? The institutional landlords in scale and size have grown. I don't believe the university at this stage have major plans for student accommodation of their own to grow much more than it already is at present. Other locations like Coventry University, they've just virtually just, you know, that, that's a different market altogether yeah. where blocks are popping up all over the city centre. The university and other institutional landlords like pensions or like funds are going towards those sort of investments. But in Stoke-on-Trent and in Shelton specifically, that's not really happening. I still feel that some of those institutional landlords with those buildings, the feedback we get from students, some of that offering is dated. Some of it could do with updating. They also suggest that some of them are not based within the immediate area of the university and not close to those local amenities Sorry, that the students crave. You know, that they want to have yeah. that active area. They want to be where the buzz is and they want to be as close as possible to the university. So this yeah. is what I feel in answer to your question that a landlord, whether they're going to have one property on their portfolio as a buy-to-let or as a well-seasoned landlord, much like yourself, has an extensive portfolio, would still fare better because they have that control. They have those predominantly terrace properties on the doorstep of the university in those areas with good local amenities close to the university again, uh, and they could create a good offering, a very nicely refurbished property where students will want to step away from the halls, will want to step away from that block living in flats and, and, and apartments where there were, you know, where there's shared facilities. They want to, they sure. want to have their independence. 
And, you know, my own experience in Stoke, we've had some renters during the midst of the pandemic that overseas students weren't able to get home. They'd finished their course and literally they were not able to get home. And that must be pretty scary for parents in, in different parts of the world. Do you have a view going forward in terms of the overseas intake? Do you think that will bounce back or do you think they've been scared off because of what has happened? I don't think they'd be scared off long term. I think I think they're certainly going to be more cautious because you're absolutely right. There was international students that got, for the want of a better phrase, stuck, uh, whereas they couldn't return back. They were safe, you know, relatively safe in their accommodation. Certain measures had been taken by private sector landlords like ourselves, also the university, which is great to hear. However, I appreciate the uncertainty, the being away from family at what what is still a pandemic. So there are concerns there. I think it will be slow for those international students to gain the confidence and have that certainty to, to come back as quick. But we are already getting inquiries, however, albeit later than we normally would. Normally about December, January, inquiries start flooding into staff, but um, they, they are coming back in slowly but surely. Okay. I would suggest to those listeners that have youngsters that are thinking about heading towards the UK that, you know, we're hoping the roadmap that the government has set out it is going to have a brighter future and is going to be uh, safer for all, all everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I think the government for sure are doing a phenomenal job on the, on the vaccine rollout and the results are getting better and better every day. So long that may that continue. Just to change track slightly, you're a little bit unusual as a, a property agent in as much as you do refurbishments and project management. So if someone comes to the area, finds the property, needs to upgrade it, then you'll handle that side of what, as well. How, how did that start? What was your reasoning to include that in the in the offering? When we started this podcast, right at the beginning, we covered the refurbishment aspect. That's always been our, our bread and butter. And we've always tried to hang on to that side of things because Unfortunately, where like you said, well, we also covered earlier, a lot of the investors aren't from the area. They come into the area. They don't necessarily find those builders or those contacts immediately that we tend to have. You know, we, we feel like we have got good contacts there and we've got a team in-house that are able to turn around a property. The advice is there anyway, because they will need the guidance on what and how to present the product back to us. So to enable us to do our lettings job thereafter. So you, you're absolutely right. We are slightly unusual where we, we do offer project management to a degree as well. We have scaled that back somewhat. Now, currently, we, we have about six properties that are under full renovation as we speak at the moment, some of which our own team are doing and some of which we have contracted out in a project management capacity. But it has been scaled back basically because we're focusing more on our lettings and estate agency side of the business, yeah. uh, which, which my wife, Nav, she spearheads at the moment. We've always done well in that regard, uh, to be frank. There are some of our clients that have been with us from day one and, uh, and are still with us and, and they want that service from us. There's an element of trust. You know, we're not going anywhere. They know where to find us. We know they know where, where our offices are based. They know we're going to give them a good product because we've we've got a proven track record with them. And they know the end result would be happy tenants in comfortable living and the, the landlords getting good yields off the back of that. So yes, we for now have maintained the refurbishment aspect of the business and we will probably continue to do so for now. I think we've both seen examples of pretty terrible refurbs 
and we're wondering what was the investor or the landlord thinking we we just can't take that on and it's great to see i mean i've seen the work and i've referred people to you it's great to know there's a firm out there that you could depend on and is effectively vertically integrated they can handle the lettings on the back end which is also a bit of an incentive to do a great job on on the refurb in our last podcast i you know number one things or mistakes that new investors make is not do their due diligence on the builders that they work with and you and i have both seen horror stories of of, of that so that's great that you're still continuing in that particular area sort of again stepping back a little bit i mean over the last three or four years landlords have been a bit of a whipping boy for the government you know dare i say we've had tax changes we've had hmo changes in legislation we've had tenant fee bans now we're in the midst of evictions where financing all the rent arrears now some landlords listening to this or some prospective landlords listening to this are thinking blimey do i really want to get into this what would you say to those landlords obviously you know most landlords have stuck it out some landlords are lucky enough to have paid off their mortgage so the change in the tax treatment of interest interest hasn't affected them but Broadly speaking, going forward, would you still be investing in property in this current environment in, in, in the Stoke and Newcastle area? Or In a word, yes, I would. And I still encourage clients and investors to, to do so. Now, just to cover what you've just discussed there, uh, it's all true. Unfortunately, quite frankly, our industry of the last couple of years has had more legislative changes than ever before. And you know, let's be frank, more are yet to follow. But if you're a good landlord, and you want to do things properly, then you shouldn't be concerned about those changes too much. Yes, it might affect the bottom line to some degree, but when you can still, you know, collect, I'll give you an example. We have landlords that collect uh, in excess of £900 That's a reserved figure for mm-hmm. what is classed as a two-up, two-down property, a two-stroke, three-bedroom, so the downstairs will be the third bedroom. They still collect in excess of £990 a month. You know, you wouldn't be looking at that in other locations. Yes, you'll have to refurbish the property, but there's still a healthy return coming in there. Now, just touching on the evictions ban, yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, the gov- well, well, what it is, unfortunately, the, you're, you're right. The, the landlords are being used as a scapegoat uh, to some extent, uh, and they're having to uh, borne some of those costs with sitting tenants. If a landlord needs their property back at the moment, for whatever reason, the wait is six months for non-extreme cases. So it's a six-month wait at the moment. So if you have a tenant not paying, then yeah, it can be very difficult times. And and those that you like you said, rightfully so, those that have paid off mortgages, yeah, that are slightly in a, in a better position. Uh, and those that have mortgages can ask for mortgage holidays and mortgage breaks. It's not for everyone. I completely understand, but there is two sides to that story. It's difficult for the tenants, and I believe the government is sympathetic towards their plight. But I I do feel the government could be more could be doing more to support some landlords. Not all yeah. landlords are rich tycoons that are sitting on their yachts. And yeah. you know, it, it's, that's not reality, right? And those landlords do need support and help. And I think that message is certainly coming across. Organisations uh, within the industry, NALA, are pushing for more of a response, more of a support network for those landlords as well. But like I said, you know, like we touched on earlier, you know, we, we are hoping this roadmap is going to be uh, what we want it to be and what we all need it to be. And the future is going to be brighter. Stamp duty as well. The stamp duty um, discount being offered at the moment is having an impact on the market and, and it's looking promising. 
We remain slightly concerned with regards to the cliff edge effect once this offering uh, by the Chancellor runs out. So, so we'll see what happens then. But with the property market, looking over historical data, it always bounces back. And in the long term, it comes back strong. There are peaks and troughs. But at the moment, I, I think it's still, uh, it's still good investments to be had out there. Brilliant. Now, you know, we don't often talk about Newcastle under Lyme. That's the neighbour to Stoke and Trent, probably a slightly wealthier neighbour. They, they, they have their own university, Keele University there. How much business are you doing out of Newcastle? Not, not as much, because obviously being located where we are, literally opposite Staffordshire University, that's predominantly, uh, with our student side of the business, that's predominantly where our yeah. custom comes from. Newcastle, Keel, yeah, there, there is, a, I would say probably 5% of our work is with Keel students. And you're right, yeah. it, uh, we could we could arguably say that Newcastle, with regards to the property market, is slightly more affluence there. Uh, Keel University is probably... Uh, in some regard, a uh, more well-regarded university in yeah. some statistics, some would say. So, so yeah, it's it's a mixed bag. And and yes, there's there's probably not as much investments that could be uh, done in Newcastle as opposed to what's happening currently in in Stoke-on-Trent and Shelton. Um, yeah. So, so yes, I, I do agree with that. But but predominantly with our business, it is more based around the Staffordshire University students. Okay. Um, uh, and inquiries. Quarries were strong up until obviously the pandemic. So we'll see how this year pans out with signups. And in terms of the council, how have the council been? You said earlier on that you do some um, sort of benefits type business. People are on um, housing allowance. Working with Stoke Council, working with those their departments. How, how does that work? Is that well, going well? The question, which was in regards to what councils want for property agents. That was a, that's an amazing question. I'm still trying to work that out. <laughs> Historically, uh, various council employees bestowed emphasis on improving relations on the ground. That's not only with agents, but with landlords as well. Historically, decision makers weren't really, you know, bringing those ideas to fruition. And, and that wasn't really happening. And I'm talking in relation to planning officers, housing enforcement officers and emergency housing officers. But yeah, things have improved. We do have great contacts at the council that we can um, seek advice from. They also call us on occasions when they need support with certain vulnerable individuals. That, you sure. know, we, we, we'll always do our best where possible in that regard. Bond scheme offerings as well, where, where tenants to have deposits. So yeah, communications and links with the council are certainly stronger than they ever were before. And what, what I would also like to add is, now, for landlords specifically, the long-running North Staffordshire Landlord Accreditation Scheme, which I'm sure you're well aware of, led by Keita Lowe, she's the Landlord Development Officer, is certainly a step in the right direction. And, and I would encourage any of your investors or landlords to sign up for, for their services. Great training services, great advice. And it's just great to be a member with all the additional benefits that come with that. Uh, and that's directly with the council, of course. So, so relations are a lot better than they were before. That's good to hear, even more so because I actually sit on that committee with yeah. Keita. So right. Keita's going to be very happy that she does a good that job and she does an excellent job. She does. And, and there, there are a lot of seminars and now sort of webinars, Zoom webinars for landlords out there. Brilliant. So just to wrap up, I think two quick questions. Pre-COVID, there was talk of getting rid of Section 21, which is sort of the no blame eviction. Any view on that? Do you <laughs> think it will happen? Is it a certainty? 
Yeah, the, the Section 21 no reason eviction, I believe I, I believe the government will phase it out. Now, again, the, the, there's there's arguments on both sides here. I think uh, I think landlords would prefer, the majority of landlords from what I know would prefer it to stay. In most opinions, a landlord should be entitled to his property back within a reasonable timescale. But the, 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 the fact that the, the bone of contention here is the no reason eviction. And unfortunately, some landlords are possibly using the Section 21 for reasons they shouldn't really be using them for. You know, we could give examples, but you could probably use, your, you know, in cases where a tenant is possibly asking for too much maintenance to be done. If the maintenance is uh, warranted, then it should be done. But if some landlords are going to use that against a tenant or as a threat measure, they're not using it for the right purposes. Sure. So so I, I do believe that, I do have a suspicion that, that the government will phase that out. However, the Section 8 uh, and other section notices remain in place and they could be used for the right reasons. But uh, but that's my predictions on that. Let's look at this in a broader sense. The government and the local councils do appreciate that it causes a strain. They feel an unnecessary strain on the housing market, the local council housing market and their resources. So that might be another reason that they might drop the Section 21 notice. We'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, indeed, indeed. Now you were uh fairly positive sort of post-COVID and with the, um, the the rollout of the vaccine, you're very positive on new investment coming into to, to Stoke and Trent and the student market that will bounce back, professional market doing well. So that's good news. Very pleased to hear that. Any words of caution for new investors looking to come into the area? I think talk to people, talk to companies like like yours, Paul, you're, you and Amanda do a great job. Speak to uh, individuals like Key to Low on the accreditation scheme. Speak to as many people as possible. Uh, you, you'll be able to vouch for this, um, that that when when you started and then when we started 15 years ago, I, I don't feel there was that many avenues for us to explore sure. and, and sure. guidance and support. And this is what we want to offer now. We want to, sure. and, and I'm sure you're, you're reminiscent with this, is that we, we don't want others making the same mistakes that we made. And we made mistakes. And, and that in itself is a learning curve. It's a very important learning curve. Absolutely. Um, I, I listened to your uh, your episode one as well, and um, you mentioned Beresford Street, and I was like, uh, I remember that property. I, believe it or not, it's ten years in August when we when we when wow. we bought that property, and I remember yeah. we put, um, uh, three Chinese students in the property. They were very happy. <laughs> they were very happy with that? your work, and I remember yeah. we had conversations back then about builders and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, but but now, in answer to your question, is. I would say to those landlords and those would-be investors out there that are thinking about Stoke-on-Trent or Newcastle or or Crew for that matter, just speak to people. Just speak to okay. people uh, who are in the industry, who are working in the industry, sharing best practices, and let's say for right first time. But do your due diligence. Great words of wisdom. How can people contact you if they want to pop in, call you, get a bit of advice? No problem at all. So just to add, anyone mentioned this podcast or affiliation with Essential Property Options will receive preferential support and, and support options and services and even just a chat. No problem at all. So we're 130 Bowie Road. That's Shelton, Stoke-on-Trent, ST42BB. Uh, you can reach us on email, which is info at stokepropertyshop.com. Our website, www.stokepropertyshop.com. Give us a call, 01782 747472. Otherwise, LinkedIn, Stoke Property Shop, or NAVCAUR, spell N-A-V-K-A-U-R. And that's the best ways to get in touch with us. I tell you what we might be worth doing, just spelling Bowie Road. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> we get that all the time. We've heard Bogey Road. We've heard it all. Yeah. Uh, so it's B-O-U-G-H-E-Y. So it's 130-130 Bowie Road. 
Fantastic. Fantastic. Abby, a pleasure. Good to see you looking very, very well. Long may business continue. And I'm sure the student mic will bounce back, as you've said. Absolutely. We'll keep in touch. And, and thanks for that word of wisdom. Thank you, Paul. It's been great. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if so, please hit subscribe and share with those who you think would enjoy it too. To get in touch with Paul and Amanda directly, please visit their website, www.essentialpropertyoptions.co.uk for more information. We look forward to sharing with you on the next episode.